Before we deliver the word of God today, I want to just, for us to, to remember to take pause and, and recognize the glory of God's creation. Um, most of you have been up uh, to the house there, and right as you come in the door, there's a Japanese maple right there. And on Friday, my daughter and I were walking in the door, and we just were marveling at how bright the red had become on those leaves. So bright, in fact, that it was hard to look at it. They were that bright red. Well, the very next morning, um, I come out early to head out. And before I get in the car, I'm like, what is that noise? There was no wind. And you could hear the tiny little pops as the leaves were coming off that tree. I'd never heard that sound before. No wind. And leaves were just coming down, popping and preparing. And that tree throughout the day on Saturday lost about two-thirds of its leaves. And in God's great providence, he's taking nature and he's teaching us about the splendor of the color on one day and how he is bringing it to a death, a sleep so that in the spring it brings a glorious resurrection. Let us not forget to pause and look around at what God has created for us to teach us, to instruct us in His Word. Let us pray this morning. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we give thanks to You for the blessings of this past week. We thank You that day by day You do surround us with Your grace and mercy and you do give us showers of blessing. And so, our Father, in gratitude, in joy, and in thanksgiving, we come into your presence to praise you as we ought, to delight ourselves in your word, and to rejoice in your service. Strengthen us by your word and by your spirit, that we may do that which is pleasing and acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, we're coming into the Thanksgiving week. Advent is around the corner. Starts next Sunday. There'll be all kinds of events and parties. Christmas is coming and then finally New Year's. And there's going to be all kinds of family gatherings. There's going to be feasting. There's going to be wine. There's going to be celebrations. This also means that there's going to be challenges difficulties, maybe even great distress. Let us consider last week's sermon text, the end of it, just for a moment, as we consider the anticipations of the upcoming week. You know, sometimes dread is upon our hearts as we're waiting for the impending actions or words that someone might say. And remember last week we were talking about prayer. We went through the Lord's Prayer and, you know, we, we got that instruction, right? Father, forgive us. And then we're to forgive others. And then that last point, point number six at the end of the sermon. And so it's probably good I'm saying it now at the beginning of this sermon because at the end of the last one, perhaps your kids were antsy or perhaps you were dozing. But at the end of that passage of the Lord's Prayer, the very next thing is be sure to forgive others as God has forgiven you. And I titled that, that 
rephrase there as, yes, really. In other words, we need to forgive. You know, sometimes, again, that, that anticipation of those difficulties, those stresses, are to such a level that we're walking and tiptoeing around just waiting for that word or action that will set the raging inferno and turmoil off. Now you have to remember something, folks. In order to get fire, you need fuel and oxygen. Forgiveness, even in the midst of the offense, is like a blanket that smothers the fire. Remember what it says in Matthew 6, verse 14. Again, here we are, the end of last week. For if you forgive men in their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Each one of us need to be a blanket full of forgiveness, just as God has forgiven us. Let us suffocate the oxygen out of these words and actions. Proverbs 10.12 tells us, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers a multitude of sins. Proverbs 17.9 tells us, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. You know what we often do? Instead of being that blanket of suffocation, of love and forgiveness, just covering it up, we talk about it. We share it with others. We actually put fuel into the fire. So as you come into this week, as you go with family, as you come into situations, be full of forgiveness. Be that blanket. Suffocate that fire. Now we could say, there you go, that's the end of the sermon. But I think it's actually a wonderful setup for what we're going to talk about today. And that's how do we as Christians have thankfulness and gratitude that is the center of all our words and actions. You see, if in order for us to really be full of that forgiveness, to be able to make it a blanket to cover sins, to smother difficulties, we need to have the right thing at the center of our life the right words, and the right actions. But those don't come out of nowhere. Those come out of a perspective, a view, a lens, if you will. And so today, we're going to look at Psalm 130 for a Thanksgiving message. Psalm 130, beginning in verse 1. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is abundant redemption, and He shall redeem Israel from all His iniquities. Now, 
one might say, I'm struggling. Where was Thanksgiving in here? Where was gratitude listed? How does this become the center of my world? Well, let's kind of break this down a little bit and consider what God's word is saying. Sorrows and difficulties. I don't want you to actually raise your hand, but I imagine if I were to say to you, have you had sorrows and difficulties this year, challenges in your life, duress, stress? Maybe even you felt persecuted or pushed by families, by other Christians, by all kinds of circumstances, by your job. I believe everyone in this room could raise their hand. And what does it say in verse 1? Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. I know that all of you have gone to God, maybe not in the most perfect of ways, but you've gone to the Lord and said, I've got this problem, I've got this stress. We, like the writer here, we have out of the depths of despair cried out to the Lord. Now, I want to emphasize something right here. This word Lord is actually Yahweh. It is not Lord as in merely the place of there's a Lord over a land or a kingdom. But this is the name of God. We as God's children. Remember last week when we talked about how did Jesus start out the prayer that we should all pray? Our Father, right? Our Father Yahweh. Right? Out of the depths I have cried to you, my Father. And you've said, Lord, hear my voice, hear my petitions. Please let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. You know, it is good to serve the living God, to have God as our Father. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into His grace, in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now this is all really, really important here because if we're going to think we're calling out to our God, our Father, Yahweh, the Creator of the world, we wonder, first of all, Am I even worthy to bring my prayers, petitions, and concerns to God? It says right here in Romans 5, you've been justified by faith. You're justified. You are made right because of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Because of that, we have peace. You might see the troubles and the difficulties and the sorrows in your life like a tidal wave. Or maybe like a heavy weight, a burden that you're carrying that you just can't get out of. 
But our God, our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has justified us. Therefore, we can have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by this faith into His grace. We have access into His grace because we are justified by the work of Christ. By, by which it says this, in which we stand. So even though that tidal wave is coming or that burden is heavy upon you, we stand, not only that, and rejoice in the difficulties and sorrows. But it isn't simply because we think we're having blind faith. No, we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That word hope is not hope like wishful thinking. If you look in uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, the fourth definition of the word hope is a Christian word. It's defined as Christian hope is the assurance of what God will do. So we have the assurance of the glory of God. So much so, verse 3 tells us, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Man, that's a hard thing to swallow is it not we glory in those tribulations I don't know about you but a lot of times when I'm going through difficulties I don't feel like rejoicing I don't feel like standing and I surely don't feel like I'm going to glory in those tribulations but because of the assurance of God I can do these things knowing that this tribulation is producing perseverance now that perseverance is God's work in your life to draw you closer to Him and to help you realize how much you must lay yourself upon Him. You are totally dependent on Him. You're not justified anything of what you do. And we kind of know that as Christians, right? That we get saved and we think, yep, I got saved not of my own doing. But now that I'm a Christian, I keep my salvation by what? By my own works. That's not so. You don't keep yourself. Now that's not an excuse to go and sin. As Paul says later in Romans, should we sin that grace may abound? No. With a resounding no. But you don't keep yourself. God keeps you. Keep throwing yourself as helpless as you are upon Him. That's what this perseverance is. And perseverance brings character. Now, I'm going to pause right there and say this. Have you ever said, Lord, I don't want any more character right now? I mean, am I real? We've had so many difficulties, so many trials and tribulations. We've said, all right, God, just a little less character building right now. Now, here's the thing. This, this word character in the Greek Dokime, it's a proof. It's a specimen of tried worth, character, and hope. You see, it is not, it is not character like, all right, God is simply changing you. It is God showing that you have been tried, that you are being made into his servant. And remember what it says in verse 5, 
Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out, poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The church is filled with the Spirit and hope, that assurance is poured out. It's not stingy, right? It's not like when I baptize a baby. It's not a few drops. I get as much water in my hand as I can. And maybe in this sense, it's a pitcher or a hose from on high. It has poured out this hope, this assurance upon us. Romans chapter 8 tells us this from the beginning of verse 34. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or the sword. Now we all have varying degrees of views about what's going on in our country and the world. But here's the thing. Who can separate us from God's love? Right? From Christ's love for us. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, that's poverty being uncovered by the way I would tell us that we should think this out Jesus our Savior sits at God's right hand making intercession for us who can pray for us better than Christ who can take our needs to God the Father who loves us by the way than Christ we should be full of joy and gratefulness. Why are we grateful? Why are we full of thanksgiving? Because Christ not only died for us, not only are we justified by His work, not only are we kept by Him, but He makes intercession to our loving Father on our behalf. We shall have hope and assurance. If we look back at Psalm 130, it says this, If you, Lord, should mark iniquities oh Lord who could stand now let's be honest let's come back to a real assessment we're gonna be a little bit for a second like real Presbyterians we're gonna look upon our sin and recognize how wretched we really are we're wretched if you Lord should mark our iniquities. O oh Lord, who could stand? This word mark in Hebrew, shamer, means to keep, to guard, to observe, to give heed. If the Lord were to keep our iniquities, if the Lord would guard them and keep them as, as, as offenses, right? Nurturing that offense, that's what we like to do. Somebody offends us, says something, or even sins against us in a gross manner. We like to nurture it. We like to guard it. We don't want to give it up. If God did that, who could stand? These iniquities, it's perversity, depravity, iniquity, and guilt. If God observed those, kept them, guarded them, who of us could stand? We could not present ourselves. This word, stand, almad, means 
to be in standing to present oneself. Who of us, with our sin, the wretchedness of ourselves, our selfishness, our pride, our sins could stand? Uh, but let us consider what 1 John 1 tells us, beginning with verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. All right, Pastor, now you're pounding on me. Yes, but consider verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. People of God, confess your sins. And then, yes, you can present yourself to God. Is that not what we did here this morning? But there's a, there's a word here. Verse 10 goes on to say, If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him, that is Jesus, a liar, and His word is not in us. Don't be deceived. You're going to sin. And we can't stand before our Lord if we're sinning. This is why we've got to keep short accounts. This is why we must eat together. This is why we come to the table. We need to keep short accounts. Husbands and wives, children and parents, families and friends. When you sin, when you offend, when you make trespass against someone else, confess it. Be quick to confess. Be quick to hear that someone says that you're sinning or you've offended. But, remember, when we confess our sins to the Almighty, Jesus is faithful and just. He's faithful. Don't say, I've sinned so far, God can't forgive me. If you're asking that question, you haven't gone too far. Because if you've gone too far, your conscience is seared. You can't even think about that. You won't think about that. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> in, the, in Romans chapter 3, we see a quotation where again, Paul is talking about sin. Just making sure, just being clear, we're all sinners here. Before I begin reading in verse 9, these are quotations from the Old Testament. These are quotations from Psalm 5, Psalm 14, Psalm 36, Psalm 53, Psalm 140, Psalm 10, as well as Isaiah 53 and 59. You'll be familiar with this passage. Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 9. What then? Are we better than they, that is, those who, who think they're righteous and holy and better than other people? That's the context. Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an empty tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before 
their eyes. Folks, we fit into here as well as every other person on the planet. It's not about looking out and saying, am I better than that person or this person? But rather, am I a sinner? Do I need to confess my sins? Yes, you do. Yes, I do. You are justified. And now that that you're a Christian, by the way, people of God, the whole point of it is this. God has made you right through the work of Jesus Christ. Now you have to weed your garden. You have to go out, pull out the weeds of sin, and some of that stuff just keeps popping up. Get help. Talk to your neighbors. Confess your sins one to another. Get it. Be encouraged. Folks, we can't do that if all we do is get together on Sunday morning and say, that's enough. It is not enough. You need Christians in your life. You need to call each other. You need to get a cup of coffee. You need to get your kids together. And I know there'll be distractions to you talking to another adult, but that is the way of life that God has set for us. Be in communication with one another. Think on this. Coming back to Psalm 130, verse 4. Now that we know that we're sinners, that we have been justified by Christ, now that we understand all that, let us be reminded, verse 4 says this, But there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. What a relief that there is forgiveness with Jesus Christ, with God our Father. That forgiveness is a pardon. You have been pardoned by the work of Jesus Christ. And why does he do this? That, we may, that you may be feared. We, sit, we tend to think so that we shake in our boots. No, this word here, yare, means to stand in awe, to fear, to reverence, to honor and respect. We give honor and respect to God our Father because he has pardoned us of our sins. We stand in awe because we recognize if he were to mark our iniquities, we could not stand. But because of Christ and his work in our lives, we can stand and present ourselves to God our Father. Because there's forgiveness, there's a pardon. Let us stand in awe. Let us be so awestruck by this forgiveness, the grandest, the grandness of it all, that we are just full of joy, full of gratefulness, full of thanksgiving. Think about this now, moving back to that first illustration we talked about. If you are full of that, recognizing how big your debt has been and how you have received pardon, how easy it is to cover the offenses and the sins of others. Not that they won't repent, not covering them that way, let's hide them, but to put out the offenses of what they do to us. What a joy. Ephesians 1, 7 tells us this. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. What joy. We have that redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. For what purpose? For the forgiveness of our sins. Why? Because of the riches of His grace. That He did what? 
that he made to abound in us. Again, why are we so grateful? Why are we full of thanksgiving? It is because he's given the riches of his grace in such a way that it just abounds upon us. It's immeasurable. And he did all this, he purposed it in himself. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. This isn't a one-off. No, people of God. His forgiveness is poured out on us. It is conveyed to us. We've been delivered from the power of darkness. And we've been conveyed, that is, we have been transferred into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And we have that redemption, that deliverance through His blood. Why? Again, for the forgiveness of our sins. Now when we continue in Psalm 130, we see assurance and anticipation. It says this, beginning in verse 5, I wait for Yahweh, that is the Lord, I wait for Yahweh, my soul waits, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. This word wait means to look for, to hope, to expect. We know that this, this passage of scripture in Psalm 130 has already told us that we have forgiveness, that it is abounding for us and it says here that we wait we hope we expect that the Lord will work in our life and in God's Word we do hope we trust in God's Word my soul waits for the Lord that again waiting and now here's the thing you know we live in a modern era we have alarm clocks, some of which of you are better at getting up to than others, right? In those days, you had a watchman. Like, for us, we go to sleep at night, and we are relatively secure. We're not worried about the barbarian hordes coming and getting us. And in the darkness is when they're going to slink in and set up to attack us. So the watchmen on the walls are important. And the watchman is ever diligent, and he's looking out, and he's watching. But you know what else he's hoping for and watching for? The sun to come up. Because there's protection in the light. And so, as much as he's on guard, he really doesn't want the enemy to sneak upon him. He gets out there, and he says, I really want to see the sunlight come in. That's great anticipation. There's deliverance in that sunlight. And we see this here. We are to watch with anticipation for the sunlight, God's forgiveness, His kindness. This is hope absolute. This is assurance. Verse 7, Psalm 130. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is abundant redemption. We keep hearing this, forgiveness, mercy is with God 
and it is full of abundant redemption. Brothers and sisters, if you've sinned, God, you have, all you've got to do is confess and there's forgiveness. There's restoration. And it is full of God's abundance for us all. Psalm 42 verse 11 says, Why are you, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, that is trust in God. Know that He is sure, for I shall yet praise Him. The help of my countenance and my God. Remember our Romans 5 passage says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have accessed, access by faith into His grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hebrews 6.19 says this, This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. This hope we have is an anchor for our soul, both sure and steadfast. Do you see now where our gratefulness, thanksgiving towards God turns us towards others? Verse 7, For with the Lord there is mercy. This is the word has said. This means goodness, kindness, and faithfulness. And with Him is abundant. This is to become much or to become numerous. It's to be ransomed. Verse 8 tells us this, And He shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. O people of God, rejoice and be thankful. This is very important because where God's mercy and redemption is for the individual, it is also for the whole of the people of God. When you see Israel being addressed, unless it's talking about Jacob, it's talking about the covenant people of God. And all of this, it says, and he shall redeem or ransom Israel. He shall redeem or ransom the people of God from all of their iniquities. We should rejoice and be thankful. Psalm 40 says this, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. As you go through this Thanksgiving week, let these thoughts, this admonition from Psalm 130, be the lens of your gratitude and thanksgiving. And yes, let this be the lens of your gratitude and thanksgiving throughout all the days of your life. Let us pray. Our Lord and our Father, we give you praise. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your abundant mercy. We thank you that you restore us. Lord, I pray that all of us this week and in this time moving forward would not be fearful of our relationships, not be fearful of the things before us, 
but rather be full of gratitude and thanksgiving because of your abundant mercies and forgiveness that rests solely in you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.